Welcome to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger at First Baptist Church, Gulf Breeze, located in the heart of Gulf Breeze, Florida. So this morning, we want to do something a little bit different. If you look in the front of your worship guide there, it says, it's not always the most wonderful time of the year. And so here's how this came about. Um, I, was, I was working on the message for, for today, and I called Kevin in. I said, hey, what do you think about some of these things? And I started just asking him a few, few questions, and we, we were discussing it. And then we went over to Brent's office, and we started, oh, I'm sorry, kids are supposed to go that way. I thought they were just waving to me to be happy. What can I say? And, and so, so the um, the conversation moved into Brent's office, and we talked for another thirty or forty minutes, and, and we're like, you know what, this this needs to be the message today. So it's a little bit unique, it's a little bit different, but it's really a a a, a conversation between the three of us about this understanding of Christmas that that sometimes Christmas is not always the most wonderful time of the year. Sometimes Christmas is very painful to people. Sometimes Christmas is very lonely to people. Sometimes Christmas digs up memories from the past that, uh, that are almost, almost unbearable. And so we want to we look and, and kind of dive into that and ask the question, why is that the case? And then what do we do about it? And so let me start by reading to you the Christmas story. And gentlemen, if you want to join me up here. The Christmas story in the Gospel of Luke is found in Luke chapter 2. It says, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quinarius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house of the Lion of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone about them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace to those on whom His favor rests. And when the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. And when they had seen Him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about the child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured these things up 
treasured all these things in her heart and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And on the eighth day, when it was time to be circumcised, uh, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was even conceived. And so we have this Christmas story. And, and when I read this story, I always hear uh, Linus. Did I get it right this time? I always, I always hear Linus. Right? He's walking across the stage. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Do you younger people know what I'm talking about? The Charlie Brown Christmas story, right? I hear Linus dragging the, the blanket across the stage and, and singing. And the whole context of this uh, Charlie Brown Christmas special is that the busyness of Christmas kind of, kind of overshadows and even supersedes the meaning of Christmas. And so it dawned on me this morning, I said, you know what? Let's let Jesus save Christmas for us. After all, His name, Jesus, means that the Lord saves, right? God saves. So let's let Jesus save Christmas. Now, Christians get into a big stink every year about how the world's taking Christ out of Christmas, right? I mean, we, we hear that all the time. We see Facebook memes and people get all angry and stuff. But what if we are just as guilty sometimes? What if we forget sometimes? No, we wouldn't do it intentionally, but... What if, what if by default, all that goes on around Christmas causes us to forget that Jesus is, here's the cliche, the reason for the season? So let's talk about it, shall we? Where do we start? Oh, first off, the song. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And this, There'll with, be kitchen go belling and everyone telling it hard be, to cheer. It's the most wonderful time, right? Okay. Yep. So that's that's what it's supposed to be. Yep. But it's but it's not always. Not always. What's the reasons for that? Unrealistic expectations. How do you mean by that? <clears throat> we have a preconceived idea based on what society tells us. We view it, it goes back to this with the scripture Truly the origin of it is be in the world but not of the world. And the question that I ask many times is, are we more of the world than we are being in the world as Christ followers? And when our lives reflect that of the media, that of our culture, that of our neighbors, more than what it does in the Scripture, then there's calls for concern and we have unrealistic expectations. And whether it's the, the movies or the media or whatever we watch on television, uh, media has given us this idea of what Christmas is supposed to be, perfect holiday, and, and I don't want to steal Kevin's thunder because he talks about this in a minute, but it, just the idea that it's, it's something, some unachievable goal that only the perfect people get. And if you try really, really hard and you cross every T and dot every I and you're lucky by the skin of your teeth and you spend just the right amount of money, then everything's going to be perfect. And we set ourselves up every single time. We set ourselves up for, for failure, for disappointment. And when it happens, it's... We act surprised, but really, we've set that expectation ourselves, and it's a, it's a result of really our actions or, or our lack of actions for it being the, the true nature of what it's supposed to be. So where does the expectation come from? There's a longing inside of each one of us that God put inside of us. We're created with this longing um, for something bigger than us. Uh, I think Christmas offers that. Um, but inside of us, we, we all... We, <laughs> 
Think about Christmas, the words that are associated with Christmas. Um, believe, miracle. Um, on 34th Street. Miracle on 34th Street. Um, miracle of Christmas. Like, I think miracle's in like half of the Hallmark movie titles, yeah. but miracle. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah. we should... We should. The Hallmark, how many of y'all watch Christmas Hallmark? This Christmas? is confession time. Michael, okay. come on, raise your it's hand. It's okay. Those are okay. But you do know, every, you see one, you've seen them all, right? They're all, what, what is the story of the Hallmark? All right, so the girl works in the big city, and then <coughs> something happens. There's a breakup, but she has to move back home to the small town. The guy works on the farm, and... and they were dated back in high school, and but they don't like each other. They don't like each other, and there's a conflict somewhere in the middle. He of the thinks movie. she's some city snob, and, and but then Christmas Eve, it starts snowing, oh, yeah, the and snow. choirs. There's only like eight people in this choir, but they're perfect singers, every one of them. Fireplace is perfect, and all. They and don't use those fake logs. You know what's crazy? With these real wood. These Hallmark movies, like when they start, like I don't see the end coming ever. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew that those two would get together? Wow! Shocker. What? You know, I want to see a realistic Christmas movie where, you know, uh, everybody's fighting over putting up the tree and, and uh, uh, somebody forgets to get... It's called Christmas with the Cranks. Oh, <laughs> Christmas with the Cranks. I told you we should have watched that last night, how about the How about in reverse? The girl is in the small town and she gets tired of the guy and moves away to the big city and becomes a corporate lawyer <laughs> yeah. and abandons Christmas completely. How about that? That'd be good. That's Lifetime Channel, I think. But, I but isn't it... <laughs> You've been single way too long, buddy. Uh, <laughs> I'm happily married. Well, <laughs> I am. <laughs> but but it's, it's, isn't it true though that that these expectations you're talking about are are of the perfect the picture perfect Christmas? And I don't know that I've ever had a Christmas like that that was picture perfect. I mean, maybe I have, but. But but that matches what media says Christmas is supposed to be. I don't know that I've I don't have enough money to make that happen. <laughs> yeah. our, our Christmas is like National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yes. That would be that would be more like our Christmas because yep. we have the uncle. But anyways, I don't know, Margot. <laughs> <laughs> but that was a real Christmas because there was disappointment there. Yeah. Think of it. How and dysfunction. And let's be honest, how much, how much of the negativity in Christmas is because of the dysfunction in our lives and our own family's lives? Yeah. And we think that we're unique. We're the only family that's dysfunctional like this. And I tell the teenagers all the time, every single family is dysfunctional. It's just some more than others. But if you think that your family is not dysfunctional, you're in a dysfunctional situation right there. <laughs> that's right. Yep. Let's call it like it is. Well, and dysfunction really is, is a result of brokenness, mm -hmm. which is a result of sin, mm -hmm. which goes all the way back to the Christmas story. Yeah. Like you said it earlier, the Christmas story is really the... The Christmas story, the, the magic, the miracle, all these things that we associate with Christmas is really given to us in the gospel itself. Mm -hmm. um, God has created us with that desire for the things that we desire at Christmas. I mean, that is a God-given gift. We, we desire an omnipotent, omniscient uh, creator. Uh, and we see that in the person of Santa Claus. You know, this, he knows when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So be good, for goodness sakes. We, we want to believe. We, we, we desire that. But we have that. We have that. We have that in God himself. And then the word became flesh and he dwelt among us. That's what Christmas is. We have the things that Christmas offers. Um, I think Christmas is just a way for the world to 
to package and we buy into it because we desire that. We really truly want that. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it. There's not, it's not a mistake that a lot of the Christmas movies have the word miracle in them. And there's the miracle at midnight. And, and all the, it's not a mistake that just believe, you know, the believe is there. It's, it, it, we want to believe. We want the magic. We want the miracles. We're created that way. Hmm. God made us that way. You know, it, it, the parallel, too, with the gospel is such that for Christmas, you know, the whole idea of Santa Claus, and we're not going to get into the, the evils of Santa Claus, but one of the things that strikes me See is it? that Santa Claus, Santa Claus essentially, Christmas for Santa Claus, with Santa Claus is a works-based system. He's watching what you're doing. If you've been good, you get good stuff. If you've been bad, you get coal. And, and you know, he's checking, looking the mist. And that's, so that's the... Timmy on the shelf, I mean, Elf on the Shelf. <laughs> yeah, that's actually, that's exactly right. That's the Elf on the Shelf kind of thing. And again, I'm not casting judgment. If you do that, fine. But, um, but, but, it's, but, it's, but I wonder how much of that permeates beyond just myth. And, and actually, we start to believe that. You know, a, we believe a conditional God. You know, God loves the world, but He just doesn't love me as much as everybody else. And we may never verbalize that, but I think that we live that way. A lot of times. Well, I, th I think it, you're right about the workspace because I think that's part of our DNA to begin with. Part of the sin DNA is we're wired that if I do more good than bad, then I'm going to be okay, regardless of what the gospel says, regardless of what the Bible says. And the same thing with Christmas, because you alluded to it in the first service, is that um, it's I, I give gifts. Truly, it's an idol. Because I give gifts so that I will get a pat on the back. I give gifts. I want to get that perfect gift to see the twinkle in their eye, to see the smile. And if I don't get that, then I have failed as a gift giver. And that's totally missing the whole concept of just the giving aspect of Christmas. I mean, we talk about it with my children all the time. Why do we give gifts? It's because God gave us the greatest gift with the incarnation of Christ. When God stepped out of heaven, and that is the ultimate gift, and that's why we give gifts. But again, if it's if it's works based, then I can't spend enough, I can't make enough, I can't do enough. It's gonna fall short, and somebody's gonna be disappointed. Somebody's gonna be left out. Our our list of the people that I need to give something to is four and a half pages long, and I'm ultimately gonna forget somebody, and then I just I can't win. And now Christmas becomes a I tried my best, but I failed again type of feeling, especially by the time Christmas Day gets here. You know, and, and, and it's not only the giving of gifts that works that way, but it's in the receiving of gifts. You know, when you receive a gift, are you, genuinely, are you genuinely thankful that the gift was thought of and given? Or is it kind of like, oh, I kind of wanted something a little bit more expensive? You know, I kind of wanted something a little bit bigger? You know, if somebody, if somebody re-gifts something to you, is that like a, does that make you mad? Only if it's a pound cake. I'm sorry, fruit cake. It, oh, Only if well, it's, if it's a, a pound cake. cake, I'm happy. You can re-gift your pound cake. Yes, that's that's the. So so, but but here's the thing. Okay, with Christmas, gifts is a nat is a normal thing, right? How many of us will will allow gifts, either the giving or the receiving, to ruin our Christmas? Because we didn't get something that we thought we should get, or that we didn't give something that we felt like they thought we should give. And again, all of those are expectations that have no basis in reality. They're totally made up. What kind of peace would we have if we, if we kind of just let that go this Christmas? 
Wouldn't that be amazing? What are the gifts of Christmas? What should be the gifts of Christmas? What are the realistic expectations? Gold. Frankincense. Frankincense and myrrh, right? <laughs> so the sheep, that's how the sheeps call it. <laughs> I like the gold part <laughs> and the frankincense. What, okay, what are, the, what are the gifts of Christmas? You tell us. Okay. Sharing, caring, time, giving. We say that, but how many people, if that's what you get, quite <laughs> openly are going to say, I'm going to be coming in here. Wait, those are the church answers. Those yeah. are the right, right. answers. Right. But then waking up and saying, I, I got the gift of time for with somebody, it, yeah, I, I say that. And then, you know, looking back, I, I, I treasure, my, I, do, I truly do treasure my time with my family. I do. I, it, it, is a, it is a gift. It is a treasure. And for me, it's the most important thing, uh, one of the most important things. But, you know, we're, we're good in this type circle to give the Jesus type answers. But it's when we walk out those doors and we have to actually live those answers, whether or not internally I'm okay with that. Yeah. You know, I, I kind of shifted my thinking on, on this. Um, I, I don't remember when, but I started thinking in, ta- in terms of a gift of experience. Because, you know, I, I guess what I was noticing is I'd give gifts to my kids or whatever, and, and, and they would be exciting for a while, but then they would either break or they would move on to something else. But, but, and once I gave that, that was their thing. So they did that thing, except for Beyblades. We played Beyblades. Oh my gosh. You remember those things? Those, those things, the Beyblades? Oh my gosh, those were crazy. They were noisy too. You never, uh, it, don't, yeah, you don't want to know. Um, but the gift of experience, you know, uh, here, here's a gift, and we're going to do this gift together. We're going to do something together because then it actually gets to the whole point of a gift, which is, which is relationship and love. I'm not saying that you know, we, we shouldn't give things, but, but that's kind of made gift giving more rich for me, especially with the kids. That's, I guess, where it's been most, most evident in our life. Um, part of it is life, where life is in this moment. <clears throat> yeah. Because you... Have three teenagers, and life experience means different. It's meaning something different to you and your family dynamic, versus a, a husband and a wife solo, versus a bunch of little kids, versus somebody who's versus somebody who's living alone, yeah. versus somebody who's uh, a senior adult who has great grandchildren now. So it is a, a moment by moment life. You know where am I at in life at this moment? based observation, if that makes sense. I think if, if Christmas really is um, the gospel, if, if the things that Christmas really do come, God gives us these desires, um, I think Christmas has a way of magnifying what is already there. So, um, you know, if you have the little kids, you, you love to give them gifts, and you love to see their expressions when they open those gifts. And, um, you know, if you have teenagers and stuff, you, you may want the experience. I think it just depends. At the same time, it magnifies what's already there. If you're in a season of life where you're lonely or you don't have something, it can magnify that as well. Um, I think Christmas just has that way of just kind of putting a spotlight on, on our lives where they are at the time. Um, and 
in some ways, that magnification, it does reveal what the gospel is doing in our lives. Um, It's much the same way that the Word of God would do to us. It just magnifies where we are. The thing with Christmas is it it's not going to heal, but where the gospel would heal, you know, and would not let down. Christmas could potentially let down. You know, you, you hit on a really good point there, uh, many, but one particular, loneliness. Hmm. I, I think Christmas exacerbates loneliness uh, to an infinite degree. And so that loneliness could be because of being single. It could be because of being a widow or a widower. It could be because of divorce. It could be because there's just no connection between you and the whoever else is in your in your family. And so I think loneliness at Christmas time might be the worst possible thing. Let's just and two with Christmas, you know, and I love it. I mean, I'm a Christmas person. I love Christmas. Um, we can tell by your Christmas colors. I, I'm pink. It's not a Christmas color. I wore green at least. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And you wore red. I guess I didn't. All right. Well, <laughs> so be it. Next Sunday. Next Sunday. Yeah. Oh, that's right. But um, I, I think it. I forgot totally what I was about to say. <laughs> Sorry. Loneliness. Yes. You I love Christmas. Christmas. I do love everyone. Christmas. Loneliness is the worst at Christmas. You still don't I don't have know. It? I'll get it in a second, though. I had a train of thought, but I, I lost it. So sorry. That's okay. No, no. It's good. Well, okay. This so is the way we do it in the office too, so it's, it's fine. So up until this Christmas, you yeah. were married. Yes. Uh, excuse me. Uh, you you got married, so this will be your first married Christmas. Yes, true. So every Christmas up until so, forty five years. Well, yeah, I can say like as a single person, um, you know, Christmas it was fun, but it was also every single Christmas. Here is here is what you hear. So you guys getting married? When are you getting married? You know, you found anybody yet? I mean, this is proportion. You know, you found anybody yet? Or when are you going to get married? Or, you know, you're getting older. You know, it's just pressure, pressure, pressure. Um, so Christmas does have that way of kind of just putting a spotlight on where your life is. And the thing about it, I, I love Christmas as much as the next guy. But when you watch all the movies and you see all the packaging of it, um, there's this, whether we mean to or not, in the back of our heads, there's this, Everything is perfect for everybody else except for me mentality, um, which is not true. I mean, the whole dysfunction thing is absolutely the reality of the situation. I mean, growing up as a kid, even, I remember in our, I remember this, these words coming out of my mom's mouth. Um, it is Christmas morning. You are going to put a smile on your face, and you are going to like it, you know. You're going to like that gift. I remember so. I mean, it's just, you know. Okay. My, my dad's favorite one. Y'all get closer. Pretend you like each other. <laughs> yep. There. Yeah. Pretend you like each other. So I don't know. I mean, here, here's the, here's the truth of it. I, being lonely at Christmas, um, or, or even not just lonely, but maybe going through. Uh, okay, lonely from being single, but also lonely from the loss of someone, um, or just going through a difficult time. The reality of that situation is Christmas puts this pressure on us, this external pressure that um, my life is just not where I want it to be. And it, it just, you, you, you see everybody else happy, but here's the thing. That happiness, it, it's, it's not always real. You know what I mean? Like it's, a, it's, a, it's a fake happiness, but, but we, we do that because we so much want that. I mean, this world, we really truly want peace on earth and goodwill to men. I mean, we want miracles. We, we desire that stuff with everything inside of us. God has created us to want that. And so I think for the person who's not having that right now, 
it's a, it's a magnification that I don't have the things that everybody else has, but you know what? You're not as far off as you may think. It's the same as the rest of the year when we watch the Hollywood movies, you know? Yeah. Every love story is perfect and everything just wraps itself up, you know? I always tell teenagers, like, when you're going through a breakup, don't listen to country music, you know? Just, just... No, listen to it backwards. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's true. Because then you get everything Much back. like the Hallmark movie, that's yes. Right. <laughs> so, I don't know. You know, isn't it funny how when, we're, when we are kind of having one of those parties that we're the only ones invited yeah we want to we go further sink in our misery misery yeah we all right any anybody want to be honest about that right i mean we it just but but why why does he why do we constantly listen to the voice of the enemy on that stuff i mean what is it about hope that we that we don't grasp because it's 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 right here you know and that's it's right there that's the thing though we desire the hope we desire the miracle we desire everything that christmas offers we and and we want it so badly that i believe i believe you know i want the miracle um i think miracle on 34th street we mentioned it earlier but think about that he gets fired from gimbals am i correct in this he gets fired from gimbals chris kringle does and he gets the job at i'm going way back i haven't seen this movie in years he gets the job at macy's but the whole movie is this benevolent this this chris kringle that um everybody you're sitting there watching the movie go just believe just believe this guy is trying to help you just believe and then it ends with a cane in the corner you know and chris kringle puts the relationship back together that's what God offers us. That is exactly what the gospel offers us. We want to believe. And it's almost like, you know, we're sitting there watching that movie. And it's just we're, we're shouting to the people in the movie, like, just believe, just believe. That's the gospel. Just believe. <laughs> just so, believe. So what do we say to the person who's really struggling with being lonely right now? And they know that Christmas is eight days away, nine days away. What, 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 what's the... What's the uh, the RX for them. What's mm-hmm. the prescription for being able to not not stay in that loneliness? I, th- I think it's several things. I don't think we can sum it up with one one pill or one prescription to do it. <clears throat> it's a grasping of reality. It's a accepting of the gifts that God gives us is a realization of what the gifts are that God gives us. And I'm not necessarily talking about life and the air that we breathe and the food that we eat and things of that nature. I can almost envision under a Christmas tree the gift that God gives us is literally some of His names. We've been talking about that for a long time with youth ministry now. Just some of the names of God truly are gifts because if we grasp the reality of his name. See, God didn't give us names just to have one more thing to call him. He gave us names of himself to describe his love for us, to describe who he is, to describe his very DNA. And if we can grasp the reality of who God is and the gifts that he gives us, it's more than a baby in a manger. It truly is God dwelling within us, the gift that God gives us. When we say yes, our, our true birthday, our spiritual birthday is the gift of the Holy Spirit of God. And we're filled with His love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness and kindness and self-control and humility. And, and all, all of these different attributes, they fill us. And 
Even though I can wake up in the morning and I can quote the Bible verses and say, this is the day the Lord has made, I choose to rejoice and be glad in it. I still have to get out of the bed and I still have to make it to the bathroom and make it to the kitchen and make it to the car and get you know, whatever my responsibilities are of the day. I still have to accomplish it just because I said a doggone Bible verse first thing in the morning didn't make life any easier for me. Yeah. But it's internally, if I can focus, if I can draw close to God... Um, so at the, at the waterfront Wednesday night, I read Isaiah um, chapter 6, 9, what is it? Six. And the, the, most of you, if you've grown up in church, you know this verse. You probably have already quoted it by yourself. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Maybe for you today, maybe for us today, this Christmas season, these four names of God are the very gift that he's given us. You know, I asked the question, where do we go to get counsel? We'll go to our neighbor, we'll go to our friends, we'll go to our family, We'll go to professional counselors. We'll go to the internet. We'll go and ask the, the, the waitress or the waiter for their opinion. And we'll go everywhere to get counsel. But most of the time, many of the times, God's the last one that we go to get counsel to. And the very name of Jesus prophesied 2,700 years ago is that he will be the wonder of counselors. Man, Merry Christmas. Hmm. You know, what a name. That He is the mighty God. So this is a gift that God has given us. He's yes, given he, us he gave us this gift 2,700 years ago for us to grasp and realize today. Wow. That He is the mighty God who formed us, who spoke the universe into creation, but knew our name before the creation of the world, that formed us in our mother's womb. It, it, it blows our mind. He truly is the everlasting Father. And one of the versions that I read the other night translated to everlasting father which we all have said a hundred thousand times and for whatever reason has lost its true punch its true significance is translated the father father of the everlasting father everlasting that's the name of jesus Everlasting is a lot more than the situation that I'm going through right now. Even though the situation feels like it's going to last forever and has been dragging on forever, He is the Father of Everlasting. And the Prince of Peace, peace that we don't even understand, that blows our mind, the peace that passes understanding. The Holy Spirit of God is peace. If, if we could grasp that and choose to hold on to that, choose to open those presents today as gifts from God... And let them become a part of my DNA, my very soul of who I am. The, 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 the thought process, the contemplation, the, the, the focal, focal point for me. I think that will help me get out of, of, of the funk, of the mundane, of the depression, the stress, the anxiety. All of those things are counterfeits and lies from the Satan. All of it is. And if we can grasp the reality of who the Holy Spirit is, that, that's one step. As you're reading it, I looked up here in uh, Isaiah 9 earlier in the passage. Um, Isaiah was delivering this prophetic word about the coming Messiah. But chapter 9, verse 1 says, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. Verse 2, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. 
on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. It, it kind of hit me that this message of, uh, of the coming Messiah, of the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the wonderful counsel, this promise came to people that were in darkness and people that were in distress. Um, in captivity. In captivity, yes. They were, they were being held captive. So the, the question you asked was, what do we say to somebody who is lonely? What do you say to somebody who is not happy this time of year at Christmas? My reminder would be that this message of the coming Messiah was delivered to a people who were in the very same situation you feel like that you're in, a time of darkness. Um, you know, we, we long for that Christmas miracle uh, on, on Christmas Eve. But the thing is, we can have that. I mean, we can have that through the gospel of Jesus Christ. The light can't be shown on our situation. Um, that can be the miracle at Christmas is an accepting of this wonderful counselor, this mighty God, this Prince of Peace, this everlasting Father, just, just, he is that for me. You know, while you were saying that, you reminded me, though, that just like for Christmas, we give gifts. Very rarely do we just stick a gift under a tree, right? What do we do with a gift? We wrap it. Why do we wrap it? Well, because we want them to open it and be surprised and be amazed and all that kind of stuff, Right? I just had this picture while you were reading these that, that God has said, okay, I'm giving you the Prince of Peace, the Great I Am. I'm giving you the door, the Good Shepherd. I'm giving you hope. I'm giving you Wonderful Counselor. I'm giving you Almighty God. I'm giving you um, um, Jesus, God with us, Emmanuel. But I'm going to wrap Him up and I'm going to give Him to you. And it's almost like we would rather stay in our darkness then just open up the gift. And, and so, so really, the only thing we have to do is, is, is open the gift. I mean, I know that's oversimplifying no, it, 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 but... It's not, though, but I, I think there's a confusion, though, because that's all truth, but it's so easy for us to see an actual physical package that's under the tree and tinsel and, and, and lights, and all that thing is so touchable and physical... I think the, I don't want to say the lie, because that's, I love Christmas. I love presents and trees and lights and all of it. But I think the thing that's so easy for us to deceive is we, we still, even though we know this to be true, that God offers us all this. That is that is Christmas. But I can see this over here. I know you're saying hope and joy and peace and all that stuff is good, but so is this PlayStation. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> It's just easier. It's, it's, so I, I think that's, we, and it's not just at Christmas. It's all year. We believe that this is going to satisfy when this will never satisfy. So what if the true gift of Christmas was the loneliness that forces us to dig deeper and find the real meaning of Christmas? I mean, if you think about it, children are very, very satisfied with gifts. I mean, you go out, you see these gifts, you open them up. Woo, that's Christmas. That, that is their entirety of Christmas. Then they play in the box. Then they play in the box, yeah. right. But, but, but the, <laughs> the older we get, seeing a bunch of presents just doesn't do it for us anymore. I mean, it's, it's nice and cool, but we got mostly what we need. And, and so we have these feelings. I guess what I'm saying is, what if God gave us these feelings, or at least uh, you know, <coughs> allowed these feelings so that we could, we could get past the gifts and past the glitter and past the... The, the miracle on 34th Street, to discover the true gift of Christmas to where there's a maturing. You know what I'm saying? But I think, that's, I think that is more than just the Christmas. I think that is life's answer, period. Yes. Yes. Period. 
nothing else satisfies. All the cliches, none of it, none of the movie, nothing satisfies outside of Christ. That's why you have sports athletes and musicians and movie stars who commit suicide because they have nothing else to live for. And we look at them and say, they're on top of the world. They're millionaires. They've got everything going. And they look internally, they're dying on the inside because nothing else satisfies. So Christmas presents won't satisfy no more than the new house, the new car, the new boat, the new fill-in-the-blank, new job. The grass is always greener on the other side type cliche, keeping up with the Joneses. Everybody else has it and I don't. Well, guess what? Everybody else can keep it because it doesn't satisfy them either or else they wouldn't keep getting more and more and more and more. And I, I, I I think what you said is the answer to life's question, which Christmas is a part of it. And Christmas just brings it to surface, maybe, and then we, we just move on with life. So I think what, what we'd like for you to hear us say is this. We believe Jesus is not just a cliche. We believe that Jesus is not just a person in history. We believe that Jesus is the single gift that God has given us to be all-satisfying for Everything we will ever want, hope for, or need. All of that is found in Jesus. But our struggle is that the world has a system, right? And that, that, that doesn't look like what Jesus looks like. So we find Jesus, I don't want to say in spite of, 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 of the Christmas stuff, but, but we, have to, we have to dig through the stuff to actually find Jesus in, in, in his sufficiency because, you know, the devil's a, a great deceiver. He, he's a great counterfeit. Uh, I had this conversation thing with one of my kids recently. The devil has never invented anything. He is unoriginal. All he knows how to do is pervert and copy. He makes imitation everything, God. So God, God makes good. The devil imitates it and perverts it and offers it offers it as the real thing and we just have to be able to be able to we have to be able to yeah. spot that and call it like it is right we we have so often uh media what in the past we presented satan as you know the red horns and, and, the, and the pitchfork and all that stuff but much more subtle great deceiver um, and if, if truly, if Christmas is the gospel wrapped up, and, and even I would say if every movie, you know, think about every single movie, there is a conflict and then there's a rescue. I think they call it like the uh, resolution and yeah. plot lines or whatever, but there's a rescue. And that is what the gospel offers. So I, th- I think what Satan does is there's this great deception that the rescue is going to come through relationship. The rescue is going to come through finances. The rescue is going to come through new job and whatever the next thing is. That's a great deception that, and, and even, oh gosh, Christmas can, can I think do that too? Like where we can think, man, Christmas is my miracle. Christmas is, is, it's going to make everything perfect again. Um, once again, love Christmas. But the answer is not Christmas. The answer is the Jesus. gospel. Yes. The answer is Jesus Christ. So think about from the giving perspective. Because my family, we're, we're givers. We love to give. You know, you've had, had a pound cake. You know, we love to I love to receive. Give. You love yeah. to receive. So, I'm a good receiver. So yeah. from, from a giving perspective, we, we say this all the time. We can't outgive God. Yeah. Right. 
And what is the heartbeat behind our giving? If, if the heartbeat behind our giving at Christmas time or any other time is because God's a great giver and God's the ultimate giver. And I want to imitate my daddy in heaven. I want to imitate my savior. I want to imitate the God who created me. And I want to be a gracious giver just like he, did, he has and he continues to do. Then that's a win. The evil one can't take that away. But when idolatry comes in and the, and the falsities of, of Satan and it becomes I have to keep up. I have to do more to make everybody else happy. And, and it's counterfeit, it's twisted, the truth is, is uh, changed just a little bit, that's when it becomes the demonic. So, can Jesus rescue Christmas? Absolutely, Jesus can rescue Christmas. Jesus doesn't have to rescue Christmas because Jesus has not been taken out of Christmas. Jesus is the heartbeat behind Christmas, and it is our responsibility as Christ followers to highlight that we're the light of the world. Our spotlight should be on the Christ of Christmas, not on the culture of Christmas. So that's our responsibility as Christ followers is to, is to, is to be the most generous, to be the most loving, to be the most hospitable, to be the most Christ-like possible in, in these earthly, fleshly tents that we live in. You know, that's a beautiful point. And it reminds me of uh, a couple of years ago, Hannah and I went to a, an Asian country and we went over Christmas time. So we spent 14 days from like the 19th until January 2nd or something. And the reason was that this Asian country was very, very into Christmas, but there was no recognition or understanding that Jesus was Christmas. So it was all the Christmas with zero Jesus. And what was cool about that is, um, so the International Mission Board sent us to this place with a bunch of students and and uh, and we would basically go to Christmas parties, and we would um, we we would have Christmas parties, and we would just hang out with with college students and talk. And because it was Christmas time, there was lots of conversation about. So did you put up the tree or whatever? And we our job was to get into a conversation or or to to move a conversation about Christmas to the meaning of Christmas. And it, and it dawned on me right when you were just talking that that is our job here in America. I mean, we are Christmas freaks in our country, right? I mean, we start in July with Christmas, right? It's commercial. And, and somebody said over here earlier, they said, you know, I think that, that your, antagonist, your, your antagonism against Christmas early is not so much about Christmas as much as it is about the, the, the abuse of it. And, and he was the commercializing of it. It really is. I just, it, it grieves me to know that so much of Christmas is about something other than the birth of Jesus. But, it, but, but that's why Jesus has us here to be salt and light. But not in a way where we just make mean Facebook memes and, 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 and condemn people. But it's in those conversations to where God uses our mouth and our actions. To move a, a, a person's understanding to, wow, there's more to Christmas than just this. I think it's harder here than it ever was in, in, in that Asian country we were at. Much harder. Because there, they didn't have a framework that we had to, to, uh, you know, to pick apart. There was a massive void and we could easily say, hey, it's about Jesus. And, and the response was phenomenal. So I think that's, that's, that's what we do here. We, we re align Christmas with Christ as much as we can. So let's do a couple scenarios and let's be done, okay? Scenario number one. Um, you are a, um, a single person 
by divorce or just by not being married. Um, Christmas is nine days away. What, what are my next steps? I'm, I'm feeling lonely. I'm feeling uh, like it's going to stink this year just like every other year. What, what do I do? Shepherds were out in the fields. Uh, they weren't expecting Christmas. They're just doing their job. Life really wasn't all that good for them. It was stinky, nasty. Um, they were even told to fear not, uh, for behold, I bring you good news, great joy. Um, and, and here's the, the thing about what Christmas like. We, we, we build it up and we, it goes on for months, but really Christmas, the birth of the Savior happened in a moment in time, a, a literal moment in time. God became flesh and he dwelt among us. For us, there is a moment in time where we receive uh, the gift that God has. So we receive the Holy Spirit. We receive him, that gift from us. Your, your question, so what, to the person that's nine days out, I would say that whether somebody receives for the first time or somebody just reminds themselves of the gift that they have uh, in the Holy Spirit that God has given us, it's a moment in time. Um, it is a time to, to dig in and to uh, recognize what we do have. Counseling 101 here, but look at what you do have, not what you don't have. Um, my practical advice would don't magnify the the bad feelings. Uh, don't play into it by watching all the Hallmark movies and, and, and just, just oh, I'm so sad. You know, don't play into it. Um, look at what you do have. Uh, try to do something. Try to find somebody that can can... You can do Christmas with, you know, plan to go see a movie with a friend. There's somebody in your situation as well, um, you know. Uh, for, for those of us that, that, that may not be in the lonely situation, I think our assignment is to find somebody that may be in that situation and offer them uh, Christmas, you know. Um, let them be around people. So. so, Okay, so situation number two. What about a person who's, who has very painful memories of Christmas in the past? Either an absentee father, uh, extreme poverty, maybe uh, uh, abuse of some of, of some sort, and and Christmas just brings that all to the surface. Um, this this is probably you know that that's a that's not a thirty second answer. I know. Well, where do you start with that? I feel like I'm talking a lot now, but <laughs> um, the whole message of God's word is redemption. God redeems. He brings beauty from ashes. Um, so you, you can, even with all of that in the past, and I realize that Christmas magnifies, so people that have a bad background with Christmas, this is a tough time of year for them, um, but it can be redeemed. Christmas can be redeemed for somebody like that. Uh, once again, another movie, I'm doing a lot of movies today, but Ebenezer Scrooge. You know, we all love that story. We love that this grumpy old codger, you know, just his life gets turned around and he... Uh, becomes this benevolent good guy at the end. But we love that. We want that. That's what the gospel, that's what Jesus, that's what he offers us. Um, so for somebody that's got a background, that's it can be redeemed. But it can only be redeemed by looking truly at what Christmas is um, and looking at it the right, the right way. Don't fall for the trappings, the counterfeits of uh, what it's supposed to be. Look at what it truly, truly is. Makes sense. And I would go to, to both the questions. One of the things I mentioned earlier uh, in the first service was what we're listening to and putting into our, our heads, our minds. Part of it is what you were talking about with the Hallmark Channel. Part of it is music. Um, for me, I kind of rejuvenate with music. It helps me 
kind of send the blues away. Uh, so when depression and and anxiety and stress come, uh, music kind of relieves me. I, some of people that affects, some it doesn't. So this time of year when it gets really, really busy and I've got one more thing on the calendar that I don't want to have on the calendar and I've got all this stress and, and weight, one of the things I do is I turn off 99.9 and 94.1. And the, so you don't listen to Delilah? The, the, the secular... Christmas channels, and then I will then listen to the the Homer Hallmark music. Um, I'll I'll actually turn on the the Christian Christmas music. You know the, the Chris Tomlins and the Phil Wickham's and, and the things that I like. Now I'm not saying that's the recipe. Some of you might be the Gaither. Some of it might be Toby Mac. I don't know. Whatever it is that you <laughs> like, but but things that are truly focused on the reason for the season, as we say. And not just the Santa Claus is coming to town, Frosty the Snowman, it's the most wonderful time of the year. And I love those songs. I do. And I'll sing them. Our kids sing them. But there's a time when I've got to cut that off. And I was like, i I, I got to get back in my spirit. My spirit has to be in tune with my Father. Mm-hmm. And, and I have to remove some of those secular distractions for a time. And then, and then, and then kind of refocus. Yeah, you know, I, I echo those as well. And uh, and I would say that we are good about letting other people control our emotions and our behaviors and our actions. And we don't own what is ours to own. We give people access into places that is not it's not their access. For instance, if I if I give you a gift, I may feel like you may not like the gift. I may feel like it wasn't as good of a gift that you might give me. You know, I might measure it up. But in reality, a gift is an expression of love from one person to another. And it has nothing to do with with somebody else. It's your gift to someone. So what they do with that gift is ultimately irrelevant. If somebody thinks it's too small, too big... It, that's irrelevant because what, what, what the question is, was my heart in the right place and giving you what I wanted to give you? And I think if we could get to that place where we own our Christmas, we don't let everybody else own it. We don't let everybody else's opinions of what our house should look like or, or, or you know, how many you know, gifts we should give or whatever, whatever. If we just owned what's ours to own and we were satisfied and comfortable in that i think it would i think it would maybe alleviate a lot of a lot of the guilt and a lot of the uh, I, I call it manipulation i think there's a lot of manipulation that goes on subversively you know um, I, I can remember conversations with people where they're like well let me see last year they got me this so this year i got to i got to get this what, what what is that I mean, that, that totally wipes out the joy of giving. This year, I've actually, I've actually probably been more thoughtful in my gift giving this year because I've actually bought most all of my gifts already. I know, shocker. But I, I, but I tried to be intentional about being thoughtful. Will, will the person I'm giving this to, is it something that expresses love to them? Is it something that they would like? And... and, and you know, does that make sense? It wasn't about money and it wasn't about meeting up an expectation. In fact, I may get in trouble because some of them probably crossed the line of what, you know, like, I, I won't even say, okay. I'm you just, know, your family can hear you. I'm right just, now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop there. Oh, yeah, that's really good. 
So let's, let's bring this to a close. So um, <laughs> if you have no idea, I hear the whispering. You're going to write it down? Okay. You're going to love your gift, dear. So what we wanted to do today is we wanted to have a, an informal time of looking at the Christmas story and trying to match up with what, what the world says Christmas is supposed to be and try to, try to debunk the voices that aren't truth. And I really think that that's what it boils down to. What will you believe and what voice will you listen to this Christmas? Will you listen to the voice that says Christmas should be sparkly and twinkly and these things? Or will you listen to the voice of the shepherds who went away rejoicing? That, that's a different kind of Christmas. You can have that kind of Christmas in the midst of suffering. I just got to say, that. so this just came to my mind. In every single movie, in every single everything in history, it's always wrapped up before Christmas Day. Let's just give people permissions. If you're going through a season of life, it does not have to be tied in a bow by Christmas Day. That's right. It is okay to grieve. It is okay to be sad. It is okay for Christmas this year to not be good. That is okay. That is life. That is fine. There's not anything magical about December 25th. It is actually just one day on the calendar. But it can be a season of starting a healing, of starting a recovery. And just look. Just don't let the pressures get you. Just, just say no, you know. I just, just heard, but, but that's what Christmas is. It's the beginning. Right. It's not the. It's not the ending. <laughs> right. We make it the ending, right. but it's not. Right. It's only it's the, the beginning start. of hope. It's the birth. Christmas is the beginning of hope. Yep. Remember that. In whatever situation you're in, let it be the beginning of hope. Yes. Plug your ears to the voices of everybody who's telling you something that is not gospel. The gospel means the good news. The good news is because there's bad news. The bad news is we are lost and in darkness and separated from God because of our sin. The good news is that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever would believe in Him would not perish, would not remain in darkness, would not die, but would have everlasting life. And Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that that life mo- might, might be most abundant. So that's life everlasting or life eternal, but it's also life right now. But it's a different life than that the world says you're supposed to have. It's totally, it looks different, but it's far more satisfying. Amen? Amen. Well, do y'all have any closing, ar- closing, ar- closing arguments? <laughs> Merry Christmas. And to all a good night. So I recognize this was a little bit different. It's not your typical sermon. Next week we'll get back to that. I'm going to go through the Christmas story and uh, point out a couple of ways that it was a very strange way for God to save the world. And I want to, try to, I want to actually try to bring out the ordinary in Christmas. Because Christmas is very ordinary in the Scripture. But it was actually the ordinary so that the extraordinary could be highlighted. Because it's really not about us at all. It's about Jesus. So this morning, if you're here and, uh, and this has spoken to you in some way, what are you going to do next? 
You know, in Grief Share, here's what they teach. They say, sometimes you get up and, and, and you, you, you just, you can't do anything. You're just kind of, you're stuck. So what do you do? You just do the next thing. The next thing might be just a little step. The next thing might be just uh, 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 brushing your teeth. Yeah, I mean, some, some, it could be very simple, but just do the next thing. If you're here today and, and you find yourself in a dark place this Christmas, we're not just glossing over that, and we're not just saying, suck it up, buttercup, get better. What we're saying is, there is hope found in the gospel. And the gospel is proclaimed by you and me. Empathy is being able to get into the pit with the one who is in the pit. Some of us are better than that, and some of us are not so good at that. But here's what I know. I know in this room there is enough for everybody who's in a pit to not be alone. But sometimes, if you're in a pit, you've got to say something. Because sometimes people don't know. So all of that to say, Christmas, Christmas 2018 is about to be over. Let it be a different kind of Christmas. Will we? Shall you? Shall, what am I trying to say? Shall you? Shall we? Will we? Do it. Just do it. Okay. Father in heaven, thank you for today. And uh, I pray that you would bring us hope through the gospel. God with us. What an amazing thing that you would look into your, into, the, into your creation and you would recognize that without Jesus, we would be hopeless. And you would send your one and only son so that we could have life. Father, we thank you for that. God, we ask that if there's anybody in here today who's never trusted you as Lord and Savior, that today they would step across the line of faith. Father, I pray that today, for those who are wrestling with, with something in their life, and, it, and it's, it's just a giant, it's something that, that, is, that seems insurmountable. Father, would you help that person to know the hope of the gospel? Father, today for for the ways you've been speaking to us and calling us to believe or to obey, would you help us to stop telling you why we can't and let our answer be yes. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Find out more about First Baptist Church Gulf Breeze at fbcgulfbreeze.org.